You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday at 9 a.m. for small groups, 10 a.m. for worship, or anytime at asburybosier.org. We continue walking through an unlikely Advent, uh, and today we talk about the Magi, the wise men, these sorcerers, these magicians from the East of the Holy Land who come and they enter into this story almost with reckless abandon, not knowing the rules, and they change the story forever. Our scripture lesson today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, the second chapter, beginning with the first verse. It'll be on the screens, it'll be online, and it's also in your Bible. Let us hear the word of the Lord. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising, and we have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea. For so it has been written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go, search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word so that I too may go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of him went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child Mary with his mother, and they knelt down and they paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left on their own country by another road. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Pa-rum-pa-pum-pum. Pa-rum-pa-pum-pum, pa-rum-pa-pum-pum, pa-rum-pa-pum. It gets annoying after a while, doesn't it? It's, 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 <laughs> it's not, look, if you love Little Drummer Boy, that's okay. We can still be friends. You're wrong, and I'm going to pray for you. It's not one of my favorite, and it's maybe it's because I'm, I'm a parent. Like, what parent would say, oh, the newborn is sleeping. Thank you so much. Come and bang on a drum to show your adoration and love. Little drummer boy, in whatever variation it finds, maybe kings and country have outdone themselves. Like, maybe that version. Most all the versions of little drummer boy fall into a, a very uh, exclusive category uh, of mine of Christmas songs that are way too long. Okay, Little Drummer Boy should go something like this. Can I play my drum for you? No. It also falls in the category with, Mary, did you know? Yes. Very short songs. What child is this? It's Jesus. Try to keep up, right? 
Now we're singing What Child Is This Today? We're going to sing like all of it. So I'm just, I'm just kind of poking fun of it. But no, can I play my drum? No, please don't. We just got Jesus to sleep. It is a curious gift. It is an unlikely gift to play the drum for the Christ child. It reminds me of uh, when, I was, when I was young, uh, my uncle got me a drum for Christmas. Let me back up. My uncle, who was childless at the time, got me, a six-year-old who had a six-month-old sister, a drum for Christmas. My father was thrilled. I must have played the snot out of this drum because my dad came up to me one day. He goes, son, do you know how drums work? It's like, no. He goes, well, inside of a drum, there are what we call boom-boom fairies. And when, when you hit the top of the drum, it excites the fairies and they, they bounce around and that's what makes the sound of the drum. He goes, do you want to see the boom boom fairies? I'm like, oh my gosh, dad, that would be amazing. So he very meticulously unraveled the drum and took the top off and he went, oh, oh no, the boom boom fairies flew away and the drum never worked again after that. Now that I'm a parent, I understand the brilliance of this, of this move of, of doing some investigative work to find the, the boom boom fairies. And, I mean, it's not, it's not my dad's fault. It might be my uncle's fault, but it wasn't my dad's fault, right? A, a drum, pro tip, <laughs> a drum for a young child is not a great, it's not a great gift for someone to open at 5 a.m. on Christmas Day, Right? It's an unexpected gift. It's an unlikely gift. But here's the fun part, is that the story of the drum has long outlasted the gift of the drum itself. It's an unlikely gift. These magi, these unlikely characters in this story, these magi from the East, these magicians, these firewalkers, They give to Jesus gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold, okay, who doesn't want a gift card, right? Frankincense, oh, how lovely. What a great scent to bring into the home. Myrrh, well, (laughs) myrrh, myrrh's a curious gift to add uh, to this because myrrh was used to anoint bodies after death. I mean, it's, it's, that's, that's a pretty dark Christmas gift, isn't it? Like, you know, here's, uh, I'm so thankful you now have a child. Here's the, here's the plot at the graveside. Like, here's your gift. It's just a very curious gift for these wise men, these magi, these magicians to give to Jesus. Until, until we, well, until we peel back where myrrh comes from and as we investigate God's story. Myrrh was used uh, by Moses to create the anointing oil for the tabernacle in the temple. Myrrh was part of what the caravan of Ishmaelites were carrying when they were going from the Holy Land into Egypt. When Joseph was sold into slavery, he joined that caravan. So myrrh was part of the story of how we got into Egypt. Myrrh was part of the story of how we got out of Egypt. And of course, myrrh is in Jesus's story. It was mixed with wine to make wine bitter, to hasten his death on the cross. Maybe this gift isn't as unexpected or strange 
as we might think. Maybe we need to open our eyes and our hearts and ourselves up just a bit more and hear what these outsiders are proclaiming. Several years ago, uh, and I put this on uh, Facebook the other day, I had the fantastic opportunity uh, to present a, a scholarly paper at the University of Manchester. Sometimes I live a very weird life. The paper was on the theology of Doctor Who, um, and uh, presented it at the University of Manchester for their celebration of Doctor Who and Religion Day for the 50th anniversary of Doc Doctor Who just had its 60th anniversary not long ago. We can talk at length about that later uh, uh, after, after service today. But I presented this paper. It was just weird because there were people from all over the world and I was sweating as, as I was about to present this because I, I was going after lunch, which is, that's like the worst, right? Here's this guy from the States. We're going to put him right after lunch. And that was absolutely on purpose. The first person that got up, I couldn't understand the words coming out. of. They were from Scandinavia and they were talking about Buddhist principles in one episode of Doctor Who from like 1974. So I'm sweating, thinking like, oh, they're going to laugh me out of this room. So I made very fast friends with the only other American who was in the room. His name is Jasper, African-American from Denver. Uh, so we, we, we made very fast friends. Uh, afterwards, we went to a Cajun fusion place uh, in Manchester. It was a weird day. It was, it was a weird day. Uh, afterwards, Jasper and I went uh, and had root beer uh, at the pub uh, in, in Manchester. And um, and I asked him, I was like, hey man, because this was my first time in the States. Was, I mean, it was my first time outside of, of the States. And, and I asked him too. And I was like, what do you, what do you, what do you find curious about being in England? Right? Because like Christy and I had like taken a train uh, up to Wales and like we were on the train. There were like sheep on the side of this hill. And I was like, it was a postcard. It's like, is this, it's like the Truman Show. Is this, is this real? It's like, it, it, so I asked Jasper, what, what have you noticed? And he said, here, I'm not met with eyes of suspicion. Oh. And, and I said, I don't know what, you're, what you mean, so, so say more. And he goes, here at this pub, they don't look me up and down as if, I'm a, as if I'm a threat. They also don't look past me as if I don't exist. He goes, being a black man in England feels different than in the States. I'm not met with eyes of suspicion. And he said, I could get used to this. The Magi in Matthew's gospel were ethnically, politically, and personally other. They arrive in Jerusalem and they start asking around, where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? It's not that the wise men came up and like knocked on the door at the palace. Right? You, you don't do that, right? Hey, Herod, we have some news. No, they go into Jerusalem and they start asking around. Hey, we've been following the star and where's the child who's going to be the next king? Understand that that kind of murmur and whisper in an occupied land with a tyrannical king, that's a dangerous question. Herod had children. Some he killed, some he didn't. Herod already had kids living in the palace. So here are these wise men, these magi, these outsiders, these magicians coming into Jerusalem and say, hey, we're looking for the next king. Where is he? That's a very dangerous question to ask in a Game of Thrones world because that phrase alone can be quite the revolutionary battle cry. That kind of question 
can get out of hand very quickly. Whispers and murmurs traveled to the palace and Herod hears that the people are talking about a new king. New kings are not anointed at a ballot box. They are made at the bloodied end of a sword. So Herod becomes frightened. And all of Jerusalem becomes frightened too because they know how Herod deals with whispers and rumors and problems. Herod's scribes tell him that the child is to be born in Bethlehem. So so Herod secretly calls for the wise men. Now, why does a king have to secretly do anything? He's the king. Well, it's because entertaining even such a question of a new king being born is enough to spark a flame that ignites a cause. So he secretly asks for the wise men because that's what fear does. Fear causes us to hide and to tuck things away. We shouldn't talk about such things out in the open. If you talk about your fears and things that are difficult for you, people might see that it's see that as a weakness or maybe use that as firepower against you. Fears fuel is the shadow secrets maintain. Fears fuel is the shadow secrets maintain. I have a very open and public fear of swimming in deep water. It's called thassalophobia if you want to win Jeopardy, right? I don't swim where my feet don't touch because I don't want to be food for some other creature, right? This last time before going to the beach, I made a big deal about it on Facebook. Like, we're going to the beach, and like, blah, 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 you know, whatever. Um, and some of my friends started encouraging me this, like, hey, this year, try it. Swim out beyond the breakers. I felt like Moana. They're like, I've been staring at the edge of the water. Right? And the, like, go swim past the, go, go try it out, you know. So I did, I'm, I'm getting, I'm, I feel like I want to throw up right now. So I did. I, I, I did. I swam just past where my feet couldn't touch, and I froze. And I started to sink. That's what happens is that you're, you, you, t- you become paralyzed, right? So I swam, I kicked, I kicked myself back and like, ah, 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 you know, put where my toes were, right? The next day I did it again. I swam up there, you know, I am Moana. Like I'm trying to find that place. And I go there, my feet don't touch, and I freeze. Oh God, my, my body becomes rigid. And I, I, I kick back, I kick back, you know. Oh, I tried it again on the third day. After some root beer, I got some courage and I went and I swam past. But here's the thing. I was, just as I was getting to the place where my feet couldn't touch, I turned around because I had been swimming out and looking. What I saw was like, oh my God, the next land mass is like Chile or whatever. Like, I don't know geography, but like it's a long way before I would hit any kind of land. So it looked this vast ocean. I can't touch the ground. So all I did this last time Right before I got to the place where my feet couldn't touch, I turned around and I looked at the shore. And I thought, huh, I'm really not that far out. (laughs) 
there are people there. There are people around me. Huh. And then before I knew it, I'm like treading water, calm and cool, collected, looking at the beach. Friends, what I discovered, what I discovered is that the fear really wasn't about the water at all. The fear was in that moment, I felt alone and abandoned. It was just me and a vast ocean. And once I realized the thing behind the thing, what I was really afraid of is being alone, the fear crippled under the weight of the realization of community. Friends, when you discover that you are not alone, fear has very little power. When you have the courage to talk about the things that make you tremble, out loud, in the open, fear has lost its fuel. Fear cannot stand under the weight of community and the weight of the light if we are so bold to share it. Herod called for the Magi in secret because he's afraid. What would people think if the king of the Jews actually entertained this outside council from these pagan magicians. The Jewish law is very clear that you are not to take the advice from wizards and sorcerers and others. Herod sends for the Magi. He sends them out to Bethlehem to find the child. I mean, after all, it's a dangerous place to be. Ah, no one would miss these foreigners if something were to happen. So he, he sends them out to look for the child. When they arrived at the place where the Holy Family was living, there doesn't seem to be much controversy. Matthew records that they entered the house and they saw the child. Matthew seems to say that when these wise men approached to where Mary was living, they were not met with eyes of suspicion. They were welcomed. They came in. And this, this welcome, this hospitality was so deeply rooted that it seemed so mundane. I mean, star aside, maybe the hospitality is what convinced them that they had found the right house. And maybe this welcome and hospitality convinced them that this child was worthy of the gold and the frankincense and myrrh. Do you see the contrast? In other words, Herod, when he saw these outsiders, he used them for gain. Mary, upon their arrival, welcomed them, not because they had gifts, but she saw that they were gifts. The Magi were the gift. These men from the east are from Babylon, that great and terrible enemy of ancient Israel. They destroyed the temple. They took the best and the brightest into exile. And here are these men from the east, from Babylon, who kneel and offer gifts. And it says, afterward, they went on a different road. 
Could it be that in this moment, Babylon itself is being forgiven? Is that even possible? Could it be that in Christ, enemies are reconciled? Now, we remember that the gifts of the Magi were gold, frankincense, and myrrh, but the gift of the Magi is knowing that forgiveness and reconciliation is possible even among enemies when fear has lost its power. One of my seminary professors, in talking about the life of the Apostle Paul, he said, Paul was not converted on the road to Damascus. Paul was convicted on the road to Damascus. Paul wasn't converted until his enemy, Ananias, who was a Christian, until his enemy laid hands on him and healed him. You want to know transformation? Do you want to know conversion? Do you want to know the power of Christ? Have an enemy heal you, and you heal him. The gifts weren't gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The gift was the Magi themselves. Men from Babylon kneeling to Christ. Could it be that in this moment the Christ child is forgiving this great and terrible enemy of the state? Can Babylon even be forgiven? Friends, if Babylon can be forgiven, so can you. If Babylon can be redeemed, then I don't know what yuck you're dealing with. That too can be forgiven and redeemed. Or I'll put it this way, they followed a star, but they left with a dream. They followed a star, but then left with a dream. So friends, What are you afraid of? Maybe a better question is, what have you been told to be afraid of? Do you have the courage to swim just past where your feet don't touch? Maybe. But it says the wise men went down a different road. I I would suggest that you turn around and look at the shore. That's what repentance is, isn't it? To turn around you may discover that you are not alone. We all have stuff to work on. I'm not swimming the English Channel anytime soon. Like, I don't want to give you the impression that, like, I now have, like, you know, this, this, like, Michael Phelps posters in my room, right? It's like I'm not this, like, big swimmer. Um, That that went weird. Um, You know what I'm saying. (laughs) I want to redo. I want to redo on that. Um, so it's not like I'm going to be an Olympic swimmer like anytime soon. We're all working on stuff. I mean, for example, Jasper, we're in this pub in Manchester. I say, what do you notice that's different? He's like, I'm not met with the eyes of suspicion. And I had no idea what he was talking about. Why? Because those eyes were mine. the eyes that he was talking about that met him with suspicion were mine. What are we afraid of? What is it that we need to open up in the light of day so that we might understand the gift 
that forgiveness is. What an unlikely story that might be for you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.